For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. It's hump day. It is. It is. <laughs> One more day closer to an actual football game, not not the Jets, an actual football game in the Badgers. <laughs> Well, we want to uh, get into it. We, we, I know we got. I'm, I'm sorry, Paul, to just jump in here, but they're going to start Flacco. That dude's like 95 years old, and I don't know. The Jets have given up. Let's let's keep going. He's older than all <laughs> of us. But uh, Matt just mentioned our guest today, uh, former Badgers wide receiver, uh, NFL wide receiver Paul Hubbard. Paul, thank you so much for hanging out with us here today. Thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity to come on to the show. Um, I follow you guys on social media. I've seen some of the other interviews you guys have done and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> no, that's great. We're, we're pumped to have you. And, uh, yeah, as most of you guys know, we're presented by BetOnline.ag, and it's better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. What 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 some of you guys may not know is I knew about Paul from his track exploits before I knew anything about him as a football player. Now, grow, now growing up in Colorado, Paul was one of the best jumpers in the country, if you didn't know this. He was an absolutely elite triple jumper you made the i think the world junior championships back in 2004 so tell us a little bit about how you got started in both track and football and sort of how you sort of made the switch full-time over to football okay so growing up uh i was that that odd kid you know the the ugly duckling let's just put it that way everybody knows the story of the duck who didn't quite fit in with everybody else. He looked different. Just me, I was lanky. I grew into my body too fast, so I was clumsy. A lot of my friends were phenomenal athletes. Uh, They had been playing sports since they could walk, to be honest with you, some of my closest friends. And so 
being in that type of competitive environment with your friends and not having the same skill set that they had at the time, uh, it put me way behind the curve. I started sports late. Let me tell you, I think I started sports in middle school versus everyone else starting sports long before Pop Warner doing all of those things. Right. And so I had to start somewhere where it was still a team oriented uh, sport. However, it was a major emphasis on an individual effort as well so that I can grow into my own in that regard. So I started with track. Uh, I did track in middle school. And then, you know, my father said, hey, you got speed. Uh, why don't we put you in football as well? And it toughened you up a little bit. My dad was in the army. My mom was in the army. So, you know, that is something that they wanted to see out of me. So uh, I started doing the sports in middle school. Um, still, by no means was I anywhere near the level of an athlete <laughs> that I would grow into later on in life. However, um, I was dedicated and they saw the raw talent in me. So I went through high school, did the same thing. Uh, high school is where I really started to blossom in track and field. Football, I didn't start to blossom until, say, my junior year in high school. However, track and field, right off the jump as a freshman, um, I found my niche in the jumps, high jump, long jump, triple jump. I also had the speed, so I ran on the 4 by one team, the 4 by 2 team, and I dreaded when my coach made us run on the 4 by 4 just for training. And I'm like, we're going to get our bus kicked. But you know what? I'm not worried about that. This is for your training, for your 200. I'll say, cool. So um, I started doing well in the jumps. Um, I don't think I lost a single meet in long jump or triple jump throughout my entire high school career. Um, <laughs> Damn. I, yeah. <laughs> so it, it got to the point where a lot of my rivals became my friends. It was total opposite where your friends become your rivals. My rivals became my friends. I was a young kid. I stepped onto the scene. Um, they had never heard of me and I'm starting to win all of these things. It got to the point where they're showing up and they used to joke, man, oh crap, Hubbard's here. Yeah. <sighs> Going for was a second. It, what was it? You, did you go to a big high school? What, what was the high school called? Whitefield High School in uh, Security, Colorado Springs. It's, okay, okay. Uh, it's a 4A school. It's not the biggest high school out there, but it's definitely not the smallest. Um, the high school I went to, however, still smack dab in a military town. So we had a lot of high schools around us. We're all army brats or, or military brats, I should say. So, so much talent from all over the country because your parents get stationed here at Fort Carson. So it brings us all together. But um, I started to, you know, develop uh, sort of, a, how should I say it? My persona or my um, confidence started to increase because I was doing well in track. And so that translated over into the football field. Um, I brought the same type of preparation and the same type of mindset to the football field and said, hey, why not me? Um, and I started to display that type of behavior on the field and made enough plays so that when I had all these offers for track and field anywhere in the country I could have wanted to go to because I was also the, the national champion twice, two years in a row. Um, and so I got all these offers. I started getting offers as a sophomore in high school for track and field. And so 
one thing I wanted to do is because I grown fond of football was, Hey, I'd like to compete in both sports. And people used to say, well, you can't do both and be successful in those. And, um, it sort of became a theme for me. People telling me what I could and could not do. Um, you can't be good in track and field, can't be good in football and compete at a high level. And I said, well, I'm going to do that. And if you don't think it's possible, I'll be the first person that you guys know to do it. And then I'm going to go to somewhat of a professional level in both aspects. And just because you said I couldn't do it, I'm going to show to you that I can. So I had this chip on my shoulder. <laughs> a lot of times it came off as me being brazen when I would interact with people because, you know, I was just taken aback by the fact that people could tell me what I could and could not do, not knowing the things that I had to go through to even get there to that point. Um, the perseverance, you know, the resilience to have um, people doubt you and count you out, or you be way behind the curve compared to your peers and everyone else. But what I learned was having all of those types of adversity forced me to have to work just a little bit harder than the next man work just a little bit harder than that person. Even at that level, I uh, had to be the first person there, have to be the last person to leave, have to work just a little bit harder because uh, skill is always going to overcome talent. You know what I mean? You can have raw talent, but more you hone on your skills, the better you're going to be. Um, and we've seen it at a program at Wisconsin. The walk-on program there is phenomenal. You see what I'm saying? These guys aren't people that everybody was like, oh, yeah, we got to have them on the team, got to have them on the team. However, having the same mindset that I just discussed developed such a program there that's insane. Probably the best walk on program in the country, to be honest with you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. You, you look at the names of the people still playing now or who have gone on to do great things. That or coaching. Or coaching. Yes at a high level and successfully right. uh, it, it's a testament to that program, but it's also a testament to the type of individual that comes from that type of program. Um, you, you had to work a little bit different and had to have that chip on your shoulder and prove a lot of people wrong. And once you did, it just, it turned, it turned the world into something different for a lot of people. All right, Paul, you, you spend a lot of years there. Let's yeah. go back. I was on the track team and all I did was throw. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I'll run here and there. And I did the four by one when they needed somebody or they did the fat, you know, the fat man four by one, yes. which is actually kind of comical to all the throwers was, <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. But I used to watch, I mean, I, listen, the four by four is my favorite race to watch. I think it's the coolest. It just is so cool. In the Olympics, you got to love it. I want to know what, what were your PRs? I mean, I, I don't know what high jump and, and, and triple jump is, but I must think if you're, you're 55 and oh, or 60 and oh, in high school, it's gotta be awesome. Yes. So, um, I was chasing the 50 mark in high school, which was unheard of for a high school student. You're like 50. There's that's only fi like that, that, for, for those, the uninformed, that's 50 feet in the triple jump, which is yeah. a, a ridiculous number. It's just a ridiculous <laughs> number. I mean, I remember that I was, one of my buddies in high school was a 43 foot triple jumper. And we thought he was like out of this world. 50 feet is, I mean, that is like elite, elite level triple jumping. So yes, thank you for that. Um, so in the triple jump, 
I was chasing the 50 mark throughout my entire high school career. Once I understood that, hey, I could be good at this event, I'm going to own this and do the best that I can in this event to be successful. And so 50 was the mark for me in triple jump. Um, I'd win every single meet. I'd go 46, 47, 48. I'd have some 49 feet jumps in there. And there were some meets I wouldn't even compete because early in the season, I would already qualify for regionals and state. So early on in the season, so I'd have rest day. So I wouldn't compete at those meets. However, if I wanted to go out there and get some practice in, I'd do it. Long jump, I was chasing 22, 23 in high school, which is still 22, 23 feet in high school is a lot. You know what I mean? Um, so long story short, I'm doing this. I have my school record still at Whitefield High School. I think I think I still have the state record in Colorado. And I'll tell you how I got that here in a minute. <laughs> here I am, 36 years old. I'll be 37 next year. And I still got it, I think. Dude, that but, is unbelievable. <laughs> Let's take a second. I mean, that is fantastic, yeah. man. Good for you. Thank you. So here's here's how I got that. Um, my old club track coach, his name is Charmers Lee. I used to run for a a club called Speed Inc. in the summertime outside of my regular schooling, but this is in high school. So it was a travel team like AAU basketball, that type of stuff, but it's track and field. So I'm competing well. I've done well for so long. I'm in my senior year now. Uh, I had already verbally committed, I think, to Nebraska, but I still had a visit to Wisconsin next, and we all know what happened after that. But (laughs) anyway, um, I'm at this last chance meet, which was just supposed to be a practice meet for me. Cause I had already qualified for nationals and I wasn't feeling well. And I, this is going to sound cliche, like Jordan played with the flu, right? I wasn't feeling well. And coach Charmus Lee, he's a military guy as well. And he's one of those guys, like he's got the personality, like the rock or like, uh, uh how should I say it? Like What's a drill it? sergeant type. Almost like a drill sergeant type. He's going to get the best out of you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to steer you in a direction that he knows that you can't go to. Okay. Um, so he's going to pressure limits. So anyway, I'm one of the leaders on the team that he gave me that title. I did. not I just, Hey, I'm out here to compete and I'm happy for everybody. We had some people on our team struggling. They made it to the next heat um, out of the prelims and they're going into the finals, but they weren't competing well at, at all. Coach is like, hey, man, we need some inspiration. And uh, today is going to be you. You got to be the guy. I know you don't feel well, one, but, you know, that's what leaders and winners do. They show up when they don't want to. They show up and they show everybody else that there's still more in the tank, even when they think they don't have it. So here I am, man. I let him talk me into this. All right, coach, I'll go out there. I'll compete. So I go out there. First jump, I scratch. And you only get three attempts. Second jump, I scratch. Comes up on my final jump. This is prelims. I go out there and I bang one out there. And it's like 49 something. I'm like, okay. I I don't don't feel so bad. So I get into the finals. And my jumps just keep progressively getting bigger. And mind you, I still feel like crap. But everybody's watching. When I used to jump, a lot of people in the stands would watch when I would go because they were used to me doing things. And so I come up on my last jump of the day. I had already won this meet 
And I don't know what happened, but I busted out one of the biggest jumps in my life. I went 52, seven and a half in high school. In high school, I went 52, seven and a half. Now that had to be close to the American record. Yeah. So get this, that jump that year would have gotten me. I think it was either second or third place in the big 10 championships at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That year. And I was still in high school. And so I had that moment there where I busted out that, that, that huge jump. And then, you know, I would go on to make bigger jumps in, in, in college in the long jump and stuff like that, but gaining the weight for football, that kind of, that kind of weighed me down in the triple jump a little bit, but it was a, it was a compromise that I was willing to make because I wanted to do both sports. Well, so, so. that was actually something I wanted to talk to you about because obviously as a jumper, yeah. you need to be rail thin. A lot of times, like you need to be really skinny and you bulked up a lot in college. I mean, you were what, 225, 230 even uh, yes. by, by the time you were a senior. So, I mean, if you look back on it, even, you know, you competed in track in college, you still have a top 10 record in Wisconsin history and the triple jump. Um, and uh, you jumped with uh, Joe Conway, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, Joe was Joe was an awesome guy. I, I you know, I, I knew Joe in college and he yes. was I mean, he was a heck of a jumper himself in in, in his own right. Um, especially in the long jump. But um, let's talk about that sort of like that body transformation that you had to undergo. Did you have a, you know, did you, did your weight program change a lot going from high school to college in like in what the coaches had you focusing on? Yes. Um, it changed drastically, actually. Um, it got to the point where I got to University of Wisconsin. Here I am, um, this tall, skinny, lanky kid. I'm like 6'2" a hundred and like 40 pounds, 45 pounds, maybe like, you know, I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was like 170, but you look at me, I'm still soaking wet. I'm going to get creamed in the big tent, get hit one time. That's it type of deal. Right. So, um, I'm still just walking onto the program. They didn't know what they were getting out of me. So I needed to red shirt that first year, but that entire time as I'm red shirting and football as a walk on, I have a full ride for track and field. So, it's not like you know, I'm going anywhere, but I took that time to actually get into a disciplined meal plan. Um, the strength and conditioning coaches, uh, Joe Detman, um, Brian Bott, um, Ben Herbert, those guys were honing in on me. They were like, hey, you need to get your calories in. You need to get this. I'm drinking insures left and right. I'm drinking till I, I can't eat anymore, right? And I'm getting nauseated. And it's like, nope, you got to drink some more after that. And you got to eat some more because you got to put on the weight because we're going to work you out in the gym. And that was one thing that we were religious about in there. You're going to work out and you're going to work hard. So that entire year, I spent time, I spent time putting weight on. Um, they did measurements on me to see how much my frame could actually hold without me losing too much speed, without me risking too many injuries because, uh, I'm a fast guy at the end of the day. And I maintain that speed when I put on the weight. And so they wanted to make sure that they were doing it the right way. So I spent a long time doing it, but I mean, it was waking up early in the morning before classes, going to work out, getting more meals in, going to the training table, getting more meals after practice, um, drink. They giving me a whole case of insure. I'm talking about like the whole big thing. I don't know how many comes in and like, yeah, you got to finish this in a certain amount of days and come and get some more. And I'm just like, God. but I think that was the first time I ever had to 
really hone in and focus on the intricacies of what it takes to be great, what it takes to get to where you want to be, because it takes a lot of discipline. There's going to be a lot of days where you don't feel like it. It's going to be a lot of days where you're tired. There's going to be a lot of times where you're like, man, it's just not working. And so you have to trust the process. And that was the first time I've ever had to really do that. And it paid off for me. So, Wait, Paul, I, I want to go back, but I want to ask a question. Did JD and the training staff from the football program talk and have conversations with the track and field program? Because you're doing completely two different things. Yes. So uh, I'm glad you asked me that question, Matt. Uh, they did. They were in constant communication because here I am. They don't know what they have really in me in the football program, but everybody knew what they had in the track and field program. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to diminish anything. We want to still win. We want to be successful. We want to go out there and make it happen. Right. So they were always in constant communication. And I remember some of the most difficult times of my entire not only collegiate career, but I think even to this day was spring, springtime at the University of Wisconsin, because me being a full-time track and field athlete and a full-time football player and a full-time student, uh, it was rough. Um, there were times in spring practice, I don't know if you remember, but we would be at practice in spring ball. And as soon as spring practice was over, I would go to a locker room take off my pads, grab my track cleats, and go to the track field. After however many hours we did football practice, and I'd go out there and I'd lay it on the track. And then I had to go home and do homework. <laughs> oh, my God. First of all, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> but it was worth it. Um, it, 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 built, it built character. Um, not only character, but it built resiliency, um, persistence, um, it, it, it awakens some type of, how should I say it? I, I don't even know how to call it, but it, it awakens something in me that, that enabled me to understand that, you know, there are going to be adverse situations, adverse times. However, if you apply yourself the right way, it may not be right now, but you're going to get the results that are coming to your favor. So, I, I mean, I'm sure you had to make a lot of adverse decisions because I was in, I played one sport at Wisconsin and it was dead serious. And the second you start playing and they oh. know that you can produce for them, you are now elevated to a, you know, to a whole new, a whole new play. Well, listen, I read sure too. It, you yeah. are, you are nobody yeah. amongst, you know, all the, you're, you're just, you're a cog in the wheel. Then yeah. you start playing and you start producing, catching passes, making blocks. Yeah. You are now the guy. Yeah. You're, one of, you're one of the 22, right? So so the, the demand on you must have been crazy. What what was it like? I mean, did did some did track step back? Like did the coaches step back? Did they did they pedal to the metal? Did football continue to do it? Like how on earth did you deal with that when you are a stud at track and field, but then you become a stud at on the Badger football team? How on earth does that like those two worlds seem to not collide very well. Like I, at least I don't think. And, and, and did, did Coach Nutty come and Coach Alvarez have to get in like verbal sparring matches over you? No, you know what? They all went metal, pedal to the metal, both teams, until and they trusted me to tell them that hey, I'm hurt. Too much. 
trust, trusted me to tell them, Hey, it's too much. Um, but they, they had that faith in me to know that, Hey, I can do this. And if I can't, I'm going to tell them. And I wanted to be in both of those realms. I wanted to be pushed hard because remember, it goes back to when people told me what I couldn't do. And it goes back to the fact that I wasn't the best at all this, you know, the sporting realm. All my friends were way better than me. They were light years ahead of me as far as skill sets. They were so good. And I wanted to be on a level with them so that I wasn't, how should I say, if we're playing pickup basketball, if we're playing any type of pickup sport, I did not want to be the liability on the team. So I put in so much effort and hard work at when I first started playing long before I even got to the collegiate level. So this was something that was already ingrained in me. So the coaches just trusted me to tell them, Hey, this is too much, or, Hey, I can do a little bit more. Um, but as you said, as I became a starter on the football team and I was still doing track and field, I never stopped. I stepped, I kept doing both. Um, but I had to really sacrifice other aspects of the, the college lifestyle, how should I say it? So a lot of times people will be like, Hey, we're going out to do this. We're going to the KK. We're going to do this. We're going to party. We're doing that. I got track practice or I'm tired <laughs> or, you know, I can't do this. I still had fun. Don't get it. Hey, look, I'm going to sit here <laughs> and say, I didn't have fun. I had a lot of fun in college. It was a great experience, but um, I had to start at that point realizing what my priorities were and where I wanted to be ultimately, you know? And so how did, how did you end up sort of focusing on football in the latter half of your collegiate career? What made you choose that? It's a great question here. I got a story for you. So we're sitting in the wide receiver meeting room after watching uh, practice coach Henry Mason He's sitting in there. He's rewinding the film back, rewinding the film back because they still don't know if I'm a track athlete trying to be a football player or if I'm a football player who can do track. They don't know yet. There's like, are you tough? Are you going to do this? And Coach Mason used to always say, hey, I don't question your courage or any of that stuff, but I'm trying to see what you got, what you're made of. And so there was one day in practice we used to compete offense versus defense. We had a very friendly competitive edge in practice. And I really liked that because that made us all better. Right. So we're getting handed to us by the defense in practice. And so one day, uh, at one point in the practice, I run a stutter out or out and up, or I don't know what it is, but I beat the DB and it looks like I'm overthrown by a lot. So I run this thing down and I dive out. I'm like, parallel to the ground and I catch this ball. Meanwhile, I have a cast on my thumb because I had messed my ligament up in my thumb. So I catch this ball. Coach Mason keeps rewinding it back. He's like, hey, see, that's a big time play right there. That's what big time players make, those type of plays. Now I got to ask you a question. So I I just got to get this out of my mind. He was like, I remember, I think Brandon Williams was in there. Uh, Brian, uh, Brandon White, Hoshoff, Lee Evans might have still been there. I don't remember, but he's like, uh, how much money would you make? Say you're out of college and you're doing <laughs> professional sports. How much money does the first place athlete in track and field get 
for coming in first place for this, that, and the third. I was like, I really don't know how they work with monetary terms there, but you get a lot of sponsorships and that's how you get paid. He was like, okay, how much money do you think you're going to make if you catch the game winning touchdown on Sunday <laughs> over and over again? And I was like, huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm thinking about it at this point. I'm just like, he's got a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that, it's so much fun. Yeah. Is that the moment or is that like, was there anything in your time period that's like, wow, this is, this is football has overcome track or football is kind of the route I want to take. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I get exactly where you come from. I think going into my junior year when myself and Luke Swan got the nod, two of us came on to the program together. We were walk-on players. We were nobodies when we got there. Um, nobody gave us a chance in the world. We had all these superstar receivers leave out of there and, and go on to do great things. Jonathan Knorr, Brandon Williams, Lee Evans. Uh, we had um, Owen Daniels at the tight end position, who was just these receivers who were phenomenal um, that were no longer there. And they're like, oh, wow, now we're going to take a hit. John Stocko is going to come into this situation without anybody to freaking get the ball to um, what's going to happen. Right. So it kicked in. Luke and I start having a ball out there on the field. Our practice starts translating over into game time reality. You know what I mean? So now people are kind of like, okay, we're going to be okay. These guys are out there taking care of business. So it was at that point in time that I felt in my mind that I had accomplished so much in track and field that I'm just now scratching the surface in football. What can I do in football now that I haven't already done? Because this is new to me. I'm just now starting this. I'm starting to come into my own. So I think it was during that junior year where Brett Bielema had just come over, become the head coach from the defensive coordinator because Coach Alvarez, that was his last year, the year before. Um, so it was all new. They had all these doubts about the Badgers. New coach, young players, unproven players. Are they going to be good? All of these different things. And we went out there and we kicked a lot of tail. Uh, we beat a lot of teams we weren't supposed to beat. Uh, but we did. And it was at that point where I'm like, I want to see what I can do in football. Um, I'm still going to do track and field. I'm not going to turn my back on my brothers and sisters over there. Cause I love that sport and I love everybody over there, but you know, I've done a lot in track and field. Can I do more? Probably. Yeah. But I want to see where I can go here. So it was right around second or third game junior year where I was like, yeah, I need to, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. So. Yeah. And, and that year, I, I remember a lot of people were very surprised because you mentioned those receivers that were gone. Brian yeah. Calhoun declared early for the draft. Yeah. They lost a couple offensive linemen and you guys ended up going 12 and one that year. It was the only loss at top 10 Michigan team that ended up winning the Big Ten that season. And so that was that was a really exciting year. And what was sort of like the feel inside the locker room? Was it one of those like you know, nobody believes in us, the world's against us. You guys kind of rally together. Like what was, what was it like to be in the locker room that particular year? And you guys had just lost Matt Bernstein too. I mean, like yeah. it was a yeah. tough year. Yeah. Yeah. Until Presley showed up and that was, 
Yeah, yeah but his well, arms are so big he couldn't hold on to the ball. But as a fullback, he but ran as through. a blocker, he would run through everyone. He's the reason I got cut from the Wisconsin track team. So I, I, I'm still bitter about that. But, Here's you know. the deal. Here's the deal. Um, that again is an excellent question. So I can equate the feeling in the locker room. My junior year, when we went 12 and one, I think it was 2006. When we went 12 and one, when nobody thought we could do anything that year, I can equate the feeling in that locker room to the feeling we had, Matt. When Lee Evans caught that out and up on Chris Gamble, then we snapped Ohio State's winning streak in 2003. Remember that night game? Oh, yeah. The feeling we had, we all went in that locker room, man. You could not tell us anything. That was the feeling all year long, our junior year, because it, remember that feeling I had? Why not me? Why not me? We had a team full of guys and coaches that were like, why not me? We had a spirited coach in Brett Bielema, who's his first-time head coach. Yeah, we were familiar with him from being a defensive coordinator, but we were used to Coach Alvarez and everything that he had brought to the table. So it's a changing of the guard in so many regards, you know, uh, players, coaches, um, just a different era at this point. Um that was a very special year. And I think we got a lot of the fans to get on board with us early as we started whooping some of these teams and showing them that, Hey, we, we came to play. Um, we're going to put our best foot forward every time, even though we may come up short, sometimes we're not going to quit. And it showed up. It showed up in the way we played. Yeah. What was, what was the difference um, in just like culture when, cause you were there for a bunch of years with Barry. Yeah. And the guys that were there, I mean, the same guys, I mean, they're yeah. pretty much the same dudes, but what, what was, what changed in the culture from Barry to Brett? Well, initially I didn't think much had changed because Brett was Barry's defensive coordinator and Barry had a lot of faith in Brett and what he was bringing to the table. The defense was being phenomenal. They were doing great things, right? At first, it didn't seem like a lot had changed. However, then you get Bielema come in and now you realize that he's a lot younger and he's got a different mindset. He would be in practice and he'd be encouraging the competitions. Alvarez did the same thing. Barry did the same thing. Don't get it. You know what I mean? But Brett was, it was just a different type of uh, energy that he brought to it. Um, he'd get out there, he'd encourage it. He'd, he'd set up competitions in practice for us to get it going. And so I think one thing I don't, I'm not, I can't say this for sure, but I would feel like the coaches, when they had their little meetings, they would get together and be like, man, we got to do something to get these dudes angry with each other or something in practice to get them to just, you know, go at it so that we can get a, a, a really good practice in. However, at the end, they always came together. And we always were on each other's side. And especially during the games, there was not a defensive player more pumped up or more, how should I say it, supportive of another defensive player than an offensive player. Even though we were going head to head in practice every day, our team became so close during that year. Um, it, it, it was crazy. And it wasn't one of those things where people had their own agenda on what they wanted to do. Everybody had the same agenda and everybody supported each other. Even when we weren't in practice, we'd be out in the community and, hey, you're okay, you good? And it was just different. And it was from the top down. 
And that may have been a little bit of the difference when Alvarez and Bielema were there because and with Alvarez, you know, the older guys, they kind of kept to themselves unless they kind of took you under your wing and you hung out with them. And then it was different. But when Bielema was there, it's from the top down, man, are you good? Hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. Or, hey, come over here. It was way different. And it showed up with the record that year. So it's, it's interesting you say that because you're definitely right. It was the older guys were like, hey, come out with us. It would be like a one-off or or you'd hang out with – I mean, I, d- I think it depends who you are. But um, I hung out with a, I, I think I want to say I spanned up and down, but like I yeah. was all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that is, that's kind of, that's pretty correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter what, I love that you said that because I feel like the culture will never change. If we were the KK and someone's pushing somebody up, someone's messing with someone and you might not even like them on the team. You yep. were the first dude over there. Like, Hey, let's, you guys got to break this up. You're making a mistake. Yeah. It's huge. So, yeah. Um, it, it, it's a brotherhood. Um, not every sibling likes their other sibling <laughs> every day. Yeah. There's a different type of bond there. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I may be able to pick on my little brother or older brother, but you can't. It, right. Different. right. <laughs> <laughs> you took on that persona at yes. the university of Wisconsin and it, and it shined through, you know? Um, but it, it, it was definitely a magical year, 2006. Um, so then what happens, Paul, then what happens after 2006, you guys are 12 and one, you are a starter now, you're, you're like trying to figure out track and football, you figured it out. What catapults you? Are you now in the weight room? Like, hey, you know, uh, Herbs, because I think Herbs was the head strength guy. He's like, yo, Herbs, I need to get, I need to bulk up. Like what, what was that transition from your junior year to your senior year? And did you know, like, hey, I want to be in the NFL. Like, that's my goal is to get there. So. At the end of my junior year, um, more importantly, at the end of the Arkansas game, uh, Capital One Bowl, yep. we beat the brakes off of them when we were support, we were underdogs. They were like, oh, yeah, you got a good season, but you're not going to do well against, you know, uh, Darren McFadden and, yep. and and all of those guys. And we showed up and we hit them in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So after that game, I had a really good game. Um, there were some grumbles like, okay. Um, Hubbard could go on further, you know, let's see what, what he does his senior year and all that other stuff. And, um, coaching staff, they took me in and like, Hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to be focused on this? Cause you can do this, but it's up to you and we can't want it more than you do. <laughs> okay. So I do want it. So I go to them like, Hey, what do I need to do to be the best that I can possibly be? Um, on this field and, you know, all the educational stuff, you know, the plays and all that other stuff, that's on me. I can take care of that. It's this other stuff that I got to work with. Um, so they set me up on plans, you know, Hey, do this and do that. Hey, you don't need to work too hard today because, you know, we know you got track practice and we know you killed it here. So we're going to tone you down a little bit. You're not going to do everything else that they're doing type of deal. So I started to get that little bit of treatment, but then I'm going into the year. My mind's on, right. We're doing this. Second game of my senior season, we go out to Vegas and I get pushed over a pile after the play and tore my knee up. And so I'm like, okay, (laughs) I didn't think it was going to be that bad. And they go like, no, (laughs) you're going to be out for a while. I was just like, ah, so, you know, I didn't know what to think at that point. Um, I was like, man, I worked so hard towards this and I put my eggs in this basket the year prior. Um, 
no longer on my eggs and track and field and I'm still committed to this. So I got to get better so I can get back on, on the field and do things. Um, so, you know, I was a little bit down after that, but I was only down for like the flight home from UNLV. And then I got back and I was like, all right, so when are we doing surgery? That's like, well, we might not have to do surgery. If we do surgery, you'll be out the whole year, but the injury that you have, even though you've got some torn ligaments in here, you may be able to come back later on in the year and still close out the season. So that's the route I chose. Um, my teammates were very supportive of me. Um, coaches were very supportive of me. Luke went out there and just lit it up the whole first half of the season. And then I don't know if it was divine, you know, what have you, but the week I come back, the following week, Luke goes out and he's out for the second half of the season. So our two starting receivers, <laughs> we didn't even get to play together our entire senior season. But Travis Beckham stepped up his junior mm-hmm. year. He even stepped up more uh, his, his junior year. You know, my senior year, he filled that gap big time. We had some young guys and David Gildery step up. Um, we had Kyle Jefferson uh, step up. I mean, these kids they were going out there and they were doing it. And the whole time they're like, Hey man, we don't want to let you down. I'm like, what are you talking about? Let me down. Cause now they're looking at me. Like I used to look at Lee Evans and, and Jonathan Orr and Darren Charles and, 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 you know, Owen Daniels, Jason Posey. I'm looking at these guys. They're looking at me like that. And I was like, <laughs> when did this happen? I don't know when this transitioned into this, but, um, it's a lesson that I learned that, you know, I'll never forget. Um, you never know when that transition is going to happen. As long as you keep doing the work and you're doing what you're supposed to do, it's going to happen and you never know when it is, but you got to be ready for it when it does. Mm-hmm. So, and that goes for not just sports. That's life in general, man. That's something that stuck with me, you know, after that, but they're looking at me like, Hey man, we don't want, I'm like, you don't, you, I'm not anybody. I'm, like, I'm in the same room that you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, it was huge to see that, but, you know, going from that, having that magical year, our junior year into the senior year, we had a lot of injuries. Um, we were still resilient. We still hung in there. We still did good. We uh, still went to a bowl game. We kept that tradition strong, going to a bowl game every year, um, taking care of business. Um, we didn't win the bowl game that year, which sucked, but, <laughs> you know, um, we played a really good Tennessee team. Um, a lot of us went on to the next level after that, you know, and just, it, it was just a great time all the way around. So the knee healed, but healed up. Yeah. Were you able to go back to track in the spring? I did. I went back to track. Oh, nice. Okay. I went back to track in the spring, but I did not compete in as many of the meets because of the injury and because, you know, compounding on one injury, you don't want to exasperate. Sure. So, um, I only went to the big meets when they needed points, when they needed us to score. Those are the meets I went to, you know, and they already knew that, Hey man, he's going his route in football now. So he is a football player now, but he's still part of our family as well. Sure. So I supported wherever I could. I knew I wasn't going to probably go out there and do this. I still placed high. Um, I got us the points that we needed to get so we, we can still go out there and win Big 10 indoor, outdoor, and our cross-country guys, they came through every year. Every year I was at Wisconsin, we won the Triple Crown in track and field. We won Big 10 indoor, outdoor, and cross-country track and field every year I was there. We never lost. It was crazy. You know, like, 
taking care of business. And our football program mirrored that. Our basketball program mirrored that. Our hockey teams, men and women, mirrored that. There was the yeah. year that they went national championships back-to-back, men and women. It was an amazing time to be at the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> it was great. I would say it still is. It, no, it is. I went back there. <laughs> I went yeah, back yeah. there for homecoming. And, boy, I got to tell you, I thought, I mean, I, we were big guys. I thought we were big guys. Yeah. Back I'm a big receiver. You're a big fullback. Man, I'm on that sideline and I'm walking next to some of these guys. I'm just like, oh, my God. Bigger, faster, stronger. I also think the mentality, like our mentality as 18 to 22 year olds, 26 year olds are like, you know, I could, I could hit this dude. I'm good. Yeah. Now being on the field and looking at the dude, I was on the field for Rutgers. The speed yeah. of the game is frightening now. It but is. back then I was like, I'll run into this guy full speed. Now I'm like, oh God, I won't even want to watch this this close. Well, you know why? It's because we're older. We're fathers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got a lot of mileage on us. <laughs> so subconsciously, we're like, yeah, I used to be able to run through that wall, but now I'm only going to do it if I really have to. It's a totally different mindset. <laughs> and I'm also hopeful that I never have to do that. Yes. Uh, it, it, that, that, that's a definite... Uh, <laughs> That's a definite thing that we we all hope we don't ever have to do is have to, you know, force our hand on something. Right. Right. So. right. Well, OK, so so then so you go back to track. Yeah. You you know, the draft's coming up. You're working out at Wisconsin. Yes. What what dude? How exciting is that period? Like what's what's draft day? Like you've come from, you know, guy who kind of basically grew up in football. Yeah. starting very late, like you're a late bloomer and yeah. now you're going to be in the draft. And then to go in the sixth round must've been so like fulfilling. It was, um, I had a lot of mixed emotions about it. Uh, on one hand, I'm like, Hey, I made it far. Like you said, I started late in football. I'm fortunate enough to even be on this stage or even be considered to be on this level with a lot of these individuals. But then on the other hand, I'm like, I got hurt my senior year and I didn't even really get to develop further. Like I wanted to, the path I was on going from my junior year, each game, I was getting better throughout the entire year going into my senior first game. Okay. I'm rocking. And then the second game, boom, I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. So then I have to come back and I'm, it's almost like I had to take 10 steps back and then have to come back and reprove myself again. Um, you know, so on one hand, I'm like, Hey man, I'm fortunate enough to be here. But on the other hand, I'm like, man, I could have been better and I could have been in a better position than where I am now. But ultimately I didn't let that, you know, fog my, 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 my thinking moving forward. So, um, I stayed at the university of Wisconsin and I trained. So one thing I was fortunate enough to do after I got a hang of my academics, full-time football and full-time track, after my freshman year, because it took the entire year for me to finally get a hold of that. <clears throat> I formulated a plan on how I can get that done. I had a schedule and I knew what I needed to do to be successful in all three areas. Right. So versus having to stay an entire five years, because I redshirted, I stayed four and a half. I graduated in December versus graduating the following spring uh, of 2008. So I graduated December of 2007. So I had an entire 
semester to just train. I had no other obligations but to just train. So um, hitting it hard with the coaches, um, training, um, I'm studying different aspects of the games as far as, you know, plays and defenses and coverages and different players and all those things. Because, you know, when you go to the combine, they ask you those things, these teams, they, they interview you, you're in a room, you're in a room and it's not, it's not even like it's a real office or anything. It's a hotel room that, you know, they have sequestered for their team. And there's all these guys standing around you. You got the GM, you got the head coach, you got position coach, you got, you know, scouts, they're all sitting in there and they're hovering over you and they're showing you plays on the screen. And I'm like, okay, what's this coverage? What's this? Or how are you going to move? What are you going to run? And you're like, holy crap. So you're answering the best way you can. And then they're going to yeah. ask you about different players. You know, what about this player? What do you think about this? And they already know what they want to hear. They're interested to see if you can even identify some of the strengths that they have in these players. And those are things that they don't teach you until you get out there. So having that whole semester to be able to train and prepare myself for that was huge. Um, I mean, I came off of that knee injury and they had questions about speed and all that other stuff. And I ran a four, four at the combine, but then the following week I ran a four, three, eight at Wisconsin. So it was like, Hey, no, I, I got the, I got the jets. So was, I still got those. So, you know, like I said, it, it was a mixed bag for me. Uh, I felt like I could have done more, but at the same time, I was very grateful and thankful to even be in the position that I was because a lot of people didn't get that opportunity. And sure. quite frankly, they showed up a lot more times than I did in a longer period than I had to show up. And they did, still weren't fortunate enough to be called to that stage. And so, you know, I was very grateful for that. And then, so what was your transition into the pros like? Okay. My transition into the pros was, man, it was a little bit rocky. It was a little bit rocky. Uh, I came from Wisconsin, which is a winning program, which is, you know, we just always took care of business there. I was drafted to the Cleveland Browns, which had not been a winning program for quite some time. And they only had five draft picks that year. Um, it was me, Martin Rucker, Bo Bell, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and I think it was a D lineman, forget his name. We only had five draft picks. And then, so this whole city is like, okay, we need this, we need that. And so, there was a lot of pressure on us to be great right out of the gate, which sometimes that's the possible that that's, that's when it happened. You get a Jonathan Taylor who goes out, he's great right out of the gate. I mean, that's what he does. Right. But then not all of us are on that, that type of level yet. And we have to grow into that. <clears throat> so it was a, it was a, a harsh transition at first going into a losing program from a winning program. Cause when you have a winning program, some of your flaws, they kind of get overlooked because the program is so good. But when you go into a losing program and you're one of the guys that they brought in to be turning this around, that light shines on you big time in a different way. And if you're not ready for that type of backlash, man, I got to tell you, <laughs> you what, awakening. Yeah, what did Joe Thomas say when he got there? 
<laughs> Joe Thomas said, you got to be prepared to come play. He's like, you got to show up, huh? And he knew I would be able to show up, but he was like, you got to show up. When you get your opportunity, you got to show up. Because Joe Thomas was the guy. Always been the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, never been a time where he wasn't the guy. And it wasn't that something like, you know, he bragged about a boast. That's what everybody else bragged on him and boasted about. Joe just showed up and played, took care of business. Blue collar, lunch pail, I'm coming, I'm going to show work, and then I'm going to go home. Um, he supported me, you know, thoroughly. Uh, I ended up getting hurt my rookie year. And so that set me back again. And it was a harsh transition because I missed half the season with injury. And at the end of my season, my entire staff was changed. Uh, Romeo Cornell and the crew gone. Eric Mangini and the crew come in and right off the bat, Guys that I had been building with that entire year, guys that I was looking to for guidance, half that locker room was gone, and it was Jets players at this point. And it started with Braylon Edwards, who was my buddy. He was my friend. He was more of my mentor there. Him and Kellen Winslow Jr. at the time, um, Braylon Edwards, and a couple other guys, Dante Stallworth and David Patton, rest his soul. I mean, those were our guys. Old school, we used to call them. used to teach me so much. Halfway through the season – a lot of the guys are gone. Josh Cribbs was one of the guys still left, but eventually he would leave too. So I'm just like, man, what happened here? So now I'm like, okay, now I got to mold with a new team, new guys. That wasn't something that I was used to. So one thing that I still don't know how I really feel about it now with this whole portal thing and in, in college football, what they can leave and when they want to and go elsewhere the only benefit that I see from that is they get the experience of having to work with an entire different crowd of guys. And you have to build that rapport and that camaraderie faster. So now they're used to doing that before they go to a NFL type program where that's going to happen on the regular. Right. Right. Um, right. Another thing that I'm excited about for these young players at the collegiate level is the fact that they can, the amateur status is different now for them. They can make money as, you know, athletes at this level because they are competing at a high level. And there's a lot of money made off of collegiate sports, just like there is at the NFL level. So these guys are dipping into that now. They have an opportunity to come into their own and build their own brand, per se, before they get to the NFL and have to stumble through the motions on what it is to come into that kind of money or what it is to uh, be on that type of level, building their brand. They have the practice now and they have people around them. If they're smart that are guiding them in the right direction at an early, you know, at a, at a starting point, that's sooner than when you put on that hat and you get your name called. And now you got all these people you never met before in your life coming at you saying they can do this for you, do that for you. Um, it's like they've got training wheels at this point leading into that. And that's, that's big because it's a totally different, it's a totally different atmosphere altogether. Um, it could eat you up or it can make you something great. You know what I mean? So the transfer portal, we could talk about for days. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it makes sense. Like for some guys that are not, don't feel they're treated well, or it's just not the right place for them. 
Yeah. People feel like that. Listen, guys, back in the day, you were stuck. You went to Wisconsin. It was really hard to get out. Like, yeah. Really hard. Yeah. Especially if, if you go and, you know, especially like, you know, you feel a close bond with the position coach that recruited you. He leaves and now you're stuck with a new guy in a new system and where you're you don't feel like your talents really fit or anything like that. So we could talk about the transfer portal for forever. I, I think there are positives and the negatives of it. It's it's just where we are in this world. There's nothing we can do about it. But Paul, I'd love to what I have two questions. One we kind of like really skipped over, but what we and I guess it's too far to go back, but I'd love to know why you came to Wisconsin from Colorado. I'm sure like the Buffaloes were all over you. I'm sure for track, you were probably getting recruited by every single school. Yeah. Um, I know we only have a couple of minutes, so I would love to hear that. But I'd also love to hear what you see in the guys today. Like what excites you about the guys, what you're seeing about the offense. Um, just your, your, your thoughts on, on the Badgers of today. Okay. First question. Why did I choose Wisconsin? Um, I could have went anywhere in the country. For track and field and there were programs were open for me doing both sports there one i wanted to go to a program that was going to be successful but i also wanted to go to a program that had high academic achievements um i know sports aren't forever you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i've been hurt several times and so i'm glad i got my degree i got another degree after i graduated so but i chose wisconsin because I have family who lives in Chicago. They're two hours down the road. (laughs) So (laughs) I wasn't going to be completely out there by myself. Right. But going out there on that visit, just the way everybody took to me right off the bat, I get it. They're trying to sell the program and they're trying to get people to come in and do this, that, and the third, but it was different. It was different at Wisconsin. Um, And seeing the, the, the unity that the track and field program had, with the football program. Cause I mean, Michael Bennett, he did track and field and football. Uh, Calhoun did the same thing. I did mm-hmm. St. Joe Thomas, you yourself, you did it. I mean, there's so many of us that were in there. So and it was successful. I wanted to go somewhere where that was going to be a thing where there wasn't going to be any friction. It was a smooth moving machine. Wisconsin had that the academics were great and both programs were wonderful. So ultimately that's what made my decision to go there. People like, well, it's cold there. You could have went to like Miami. And I was like, I was going to go to Miami, but my father said, think about it. You go to Miami, you'll be fine in track and field, but you want to play football. You probably won't ever play until your senior year. And I was like, why is that? He was like, everybody looks just like you and they're capable of doing the exact same thing. now. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes we get good advice from our fathers or, you know, (laughs) mothers or, whoever's you know guardians you get great advice from them and listen just but that doesn't mean that you couldn't be that guy one day that's true however uh i had a better opportunity of building into that guy at the university of wisconsin right just given the talent that was in front of me but not only that the walk-on program that they had there and the success stories that they had coming out of there right i mean you look at it and it continues to this day and i'm i'm Grateful that I was a part of that, showing that, hey, man, you can do something out of that program. Mm-hmm. So second question. <laughs> second question. <laughs> what do I see in the guys today? I am extremely excited about these guys on the field right now. I'm not going to lie. We've got this group chat and text message from me and a lot of the other alum that goes back years. Years. I'm talking about 
every single alum almost that you could think of were in this text, right? Beginning of the season, we've had such high hopes, man. A couple seasons, we're like, man, it could be better, but man, what's going on with Die Hard? This season, we're like, okay, let's make it happen. We start off and we get those losses that we shouldn't have had, and we're just like, what the crap? Defense is phenomenal. Our defense is phenomenal. Those players, oh my gosh. The coach, the defensive coordinator, Jimmy, putting it out there. So much respect for him. And I'm like, our defensive guys are getting tired. They cannot hold this up this entire year. They, Our offense has to figure it out. We've got a young quarterback who the sky's the limit. The sky's not even a limit. He, there's no limit for this kid once he figures it out on a consistent basis, which he has been doing with the rest of those offensive players. We had some injuries that went out. But one thing that I love about this team is they're not allowing anybody to put them in a category. They're not allowing anybody to sell them out. They're not allowing the early adversity to dictate how they're going to finish this season. Um, they've completely turned it around. I don't know what clicked and it doesn't really matter what clicked, but what matters to me and what I really like about these, this group of guys, these kids is, the resiliency, the fact that these guys have that same type of brotherhood and camaraderie that we had, us old heads now, we're, we're the old guys. They have that, and they're putting it on full display for not just the Big Ten, but for the world to see that now they've turned it around. They fixed those things that everybody thought was going to put the nail in the coffin for the University of Wisconsin. People were talking about, well, is this the end of an era? of Wisconsin football and all this other crap, they're going out there and they're thoroughly beating teams by a whole lot of points at their place and always at the camp. And so that in and of itself is what I love about these guys. They're not going to allow anybody to dictate how their season's going to go. They're not down on themselves. They understand that they have to make some changes and they did it. And when I was down there on that field, just looking at these kids, man, I know that they take the time to put in work in the gym. And I've seen those facilities, man. I saw those facilities that made our stuff look like uh, a middle school locker room. Yeah. I'm jealous. You know what I mean? But uh, I know I just love the tenacity that these kids have to be able to bounce back from adversity, because not only is that going to help them with the rest of this season, that's going to correlate and translate over into their personal lives as well. Um, and that's huge. And that's, I'm a big advocate huge. of that. I'm a big advocate of that. Um, you know, J.O.'s program that he he fosters, he talks about that very thing, you know, that, you know, once you leave college or you're at another level, they don't talk about how you miss the camaraderie or you miss the competition and how you're away from the game and what that does. You get the depression, the anxiety. But the fact that they're able to start to put in a plan on how to be successful in adverse situations now it's huge for them. And I love that about this team. Um, the coaches, I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. Coach Chris, I love that guy. I mean, his name's Paul. I mean, we got to love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it doesn't stop there. Taylor Mailhoff, uh, Jimmy Leonard, just seeing guys that I played with that, you know, we shared the field with, we're brothers with, man, it's huge. But seeing the men that they're turning these kids into is a bigger experience for me. 
Do I get upset when a team is putting it on us? Yeah, but I've got my little, my five-year-old. She's six now. Her, t- her birthday's today. She watches the games. Uh, happy happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, thank you. She watches the games with me on Saturday. She does the jump around, all that stuff, and it's great. Um, but it, it, it helps for her to see it, too. Like, your team is losing. I'm like, oh, just give it a minute. You know, just, we, we got this, you know. <laughs> Speak it into fruition, but then she sees our guys pull it off, and they're kicking tail. And I, I love that about these guys, man. Is she a future Badger triple jumper? she's going to be a future badge or something. Hopefully uh, it might be track and field. My daughter's really fast. Uh, she's really fast. You know, my mom, everybody says you need to put her in track as soon as you can. She's trying to whip around and run. She's always like, daddy, I'll race you from here to that box. And then she takes off. And I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh dude. You're too jacked right now to, to, to sprint. I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm 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 in the process of uh, bulking up because just like Jonathan Norris talked about, you miss that competition, you miss um, the feel of it, you know. And I'm not so far removed that I don't want to be out there and do things like that anymore. And so right now, my my goals are I want to compete in lifting, you know, uh, bodybuilding type of stuff. I'm not going to get all huge, massive, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm bigger than I ever was when I was at Wisconsin. (laughs) However, I do want to get into that realm again, and I'm not doing it to be, you know, a winner or any of that. I just want to go out there to be like, Hey, even if I don't win, I want the guy who does win to look over and be like, he was close. (laughs) And and I'm like, you're right. You're going to earn it. You're going to earn that victory. And that's where I'm at. Cause I, I love that competitive edge and i really feel like that fosters some of the best in us when you can be in that realm and still remain yourself all right last question because we're over yeah what were your numbers in the weight room at wisconsin and what are they right now hey oh man uh i think because i think you're one of like the few that have you have increased yeah like my numbers Uh, are embarrassingly so in high school i mean college at wisconsin i think i might have squatted 325 was my most. Now I'm doing, I haven't done a one rep max yet, but I'm repping about on um, back squat 425 for three. Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm, I'm going deep too, deep squats. Uh, I can uh, do dude, that. I know. I, I watch you. I watch you. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I watch you and I'm like, dude, I can't believe this guy's putting weight on his back. Right? Like we're in our upper, upper thirties. Right. Yeah, we are. Uh, so, <laughs> And, you know, I, I monitor it. I change it up. Like, you know, I get on that the leg press here and there so I don't compress my spine too much. But, you know, as far as bench goes, I was probably a little bit stronger in college because uh, I got into a car accident in 2013. So I've got a plate in my arm now. So now I do dumbbell press. I still can move heavy weight there, but I was probably a little bit stronger in, in Wisconsin on the bench. So, wow, man. Yeah. Well, Dupal, it, it's such a pleasure to see you. I like, I love everything you're saying. Um, it's really a pleasure to have, have been a part of, I guess your journey for a couple of years. And then now to, to like kind of circle all the way back. It's so fun. I, I kind of wish I was at the game when you were at the game, but I'm not special to be on the sideline at Wisconsin. I got to wait to Rutgers to get on the sideline. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't know. I never tried. I had a little blip, uh, in, 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 uh, I needed J.O. badly in 2006 and I didn't have him. So I don't think I should be allowed on the field. I, I think my 20 year is almost up. So no, man. <laughs> if anybody should be on the field, it, I mean, I really, 
honest to God, think that anybody who's ever came through that those halls at Wisconsin I would agree be down there. You know, it's just you didn't. All of us can't go at once, but it, especially the Hebrew Hammer, everybody. Knows I mean, Hebrew Bernie Hammer. was the captain for Barry's last season. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, of all people, <laughs> this guy he he made hurtling over people a thing. He's the, he is the OG when it comes to that. Like the old he really of hurtling. <laughs> he made it a thing, man. Now everybody else is doing it. It's in the lead. They're like, oh crap, you see that? Like, man, that's old news. I've seen <laughs> I mean, I was watching the Melvin Gordon highlights from the Nebraska game from a couple years ago and he's hurtling news. Yeah. I'm like, that's just Bernie 2.0 oh, right Bernie. there. So that's Bernie. But yeah. those guys are like flying in a different atmosphere than I was hurtling. I those you those guys are jumping like ten feet in the air. But it's a, it's amazing. They're running backs. They're also built true. To be true. agile and do those things. You are built to move people and get through stuff. So when we see you go airborne and you see we see you take on the persona of a running back as a fullback, you have no idea what that did for us, man. That boosted us in so Thanks. many levels, dude. I swear to God, it was huge. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I think if I hurdle anything right now, I'd probably break both ankles. <laughs> I'd be army crawling back to my condo. <laughs> a lot of ice. A lot of ice. <laughs> a lot of ice. Oh, man. Well, okay. well Paul, really, uh, thank you so much. And, and I hope to see you in person yes. sometime soon. Absolutely. Uh, I plan on getting back. Um, it was a long time. I had come back for homecoming and I enjoyed myself. Uh, Lee and John and those guys, clink scale. They're like, you got to come back. You need to can't wait so long. I'm like, you're right. So, uh, I'm definitely going to be planning to come back there sooner than later. All right. Good to hear. Good Excellent. to hear. Thank you so much, Paul. And until next time on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin, absolutely on Wisconsin. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.